chapter 14, we left off, and we're going to be in chapter uh, 14, starting with verse 15. And um, at this point in verse 15, Jesus is actually starting to introduce, if you want to say it that way, to the disciples, the Holy Spirit. And... uh, what the Holy Spirit's going to do and why he's going to come. And he starts to talk to them about this thing called Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what I want us to look at today, is who is this Holy Spirit and, and what's he about? And, and I'm telling you, just even just in these few verses, there is so much. And um, I wish you all could see my note page because it's just scribbled up. If you were to look at this thing and go, Jim, this is like hieroglyphics out in the world. Are you following this? Because there's just so much depth to this thing. And the reality is, um, how many of you know, we're not even going to scratch the surface on who the Holy Spirit is. Okay. And uh, it's just not even just about the Holy Spirit. It's, It's the entire trinity involved in this thing. And, and, and we can't begin to scratch the surface of what the triune God is about. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Activated, all working together, separately, simultaneously. It's overwhelming. Everybody say overwhelming. It's overwhelming and it's deep. And so I'm going to try my best to um, teach what Jesus taught here. So if you would, let me just pray and ask the Holy Spirit's help this morning. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is absolute truth. And uh, Jesus, just as you taught these men who the Holy Spirit was, I have to wonder if they sat and looked at you with um, a gaze on their look like, what in the world are you talking about? And now here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about this thing called the Holy Spirit. And help me, um, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Because I want these people to learn and um, enlighten our eyes of our hearts to know just a little bit more about you. And we just thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at a few things about the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing. Now, uh, something you're going to notice differently. Because all of our helpers are volunteers, you know, when we had a full-time worship pastor, this was his job doing this stuff. I'm trying to take some stuff off these people's plates. So one thing I'm asking Cody to do is just help Paula, who is volunteering with all of these people up here, to take some pl- stuff off of her plate, to take stuff off, off of his plate. So um, I'm no longer giving Cody my messages, all right? Do you all have a note? Because that's how you're going to take notes today. It's not going to be up here, all right? So if you like to, well, I love the seeing up there. I'm just going to sit back. Nope, you got you to participate. Okay, so if you want to learn, you need to ask the ushers to give you a note page. And so, um, so they will not be up here. But here's the first thing I want you to write down, and it's this. Here's the first thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our reservoir. The Holy Spirit is our reservoir. Look at verse 16. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, and he says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper. Now, let me stop right there. The ESV says he will give you another helper. Does anybody have a translation, a version that has something different than the word helper? Raise your hand. What do you have? Counselor. Counselor. Anybody have anything other than counselor? 
Advocate. Anybody else have another word in there? Anybody have the word comforter? Okay. Um, do you notice that all of a sudden we went from helper to advocate to counselor? There are versions with the word helper in it. Okay. There's actually one literal translation that has the word paraclete in it. Now you're wondering, what in the world is the word paraclete? All right. Is that some kind of bird? No, it is not. The word par- And here's why we have so many words in the English for this part, okay? In the Greek, the word for what we get, helper, counselor, advocate, all that, actually comes from one Greek word, and the Greek word is paraclete, all right? And now here's the thing about this word paraclete. The most literal ver- rendering of it means to come alongside. Now, I'm not going to explain that here. I'm actually going to come back to that at the end of my message. But here's the problem why we have so many English words is as I studied this, there is not linguistically an adequate English translation for the Greek word paraclete. We can't, the the, the meaning of the the word paraclete, when Jesus is trying to describe this thing called the Holy Spirit, there is not an adequate English word for it because it's so deep, it's it's so vast, it's, it's so wide, English translators could not grip it. That's why there's one version, a literal version that says, and Jesus said, I will send you the paraclete. Because it's, it, it can't be translated in English. So that's why we have helper, counselor, advocate, comforter. He's all of it. That's why if we just had one word to try to define who the Holy Spirit was, it would be too inadequate. That's why the ESV just says is he's the helper. He is the helper. But another version says he's a comforter. He is a comforter. Another version says he, he's my counselor. He is a counselor. But he's just not one of them. He's all of them. So for us to just translate it into one word would be defining the Holy Spirit so inadequately. And Jesus is trying to explain to these guys, he is more than you can even define. And so, yes, we say he is our helper, but he's also our counselor. But he's just not our counselor. How many of you know he's also the one who enlightens us? He's also the one who strengthens us. He's the one who guides us and leads us. He's the one who convicts us. He's the one who does everything and anything. He is all that we need and who he can be in this life. That's why I said he is our reservoir. The Holy Spirit is is the deep well of everything we need and all who we need him to be for us in this life. He's untappable. He's he's that deep well that never runs dry. He's undefinable. We can't define him. We we can't just paint him in a picture. He's too much. And, And so 
This is what Jesus is teaching these guys. When I'm gone, I'm going to send you the paraclete. Your helper, counselor, advocate. Put a, put a name on it, guys. That's who he is. And I'm sending you him. But why? Why does Jesus have to send the Holy Spirit? You got to remember, when Jesus was with these men, Jesus is the one who led them, guided them, taught them. He was the one who, who protected them and watched over them. He was everything to them. But now he is going to be gone, and they're going to be alone. How are they going to do this? You got to remember, when Jesus was teaching these guys, he's in this upper room, and now he starts to unfold some final teaching moments for these guys. And if you remember in chapter 13, he washed their feet. Did he just wash their feet because they were dirty? No, he washed their feet as an example because he was like, I want you to do what I'm doing. I want you to serve like I have served you. And then he goes on and starts telling them, oh, by the way, I want you to love as I have loved you. Oh, by the way, guys, I also want you to have a faith in me and in the Father that is so awesome. Oh, and um, um, by the way, um, I'm not done yet. Because look at verse 15. What does it say? What's the last part? You obey my commandments. Meaning, everything I have said to you, obey it. Anybody other than me think what Jesus is telling these disciples to do is really hard? I mean, serving like Christ is hard, isn't it? Loving like Christ is hard. Having a faith. Oh, and also Jesus told these guys, oh, by the way, guys, um, you will do the works that I did, but even greater. Tell me if that doesn't blow my mind. They're thinking, how in the world can we do anything greater than you, Jesus? Here's how you will serve like I did. Here's how you'll love like I did. Here's how you'll do greater works. Here's how you can obey me. Here's how you'll do it. I'm sending you the paraclete. And he's going to be the one that will help work through you to do this. Now, here's the thing. Jesus just didn't pass the baton to now the 11 disciples. And the race ended, right? The disciples passed the baton to whom? The church. And so everything Jesus told the disciples to do, the disciples relayed that now to the church. And over the past 2,000 years, the two millennia, the church has been doing exactly what Jesus told the disciples to do. Serve one another, love one another, have a faith that can move mountains, do greater works than I did, obey what I did. How do we do that? Because of the paraclete, because of the Holy Spirit. We're able to do that. So guess what? You and I today, we, through the paraclete, are able to do and obey the word of God. We are able to do the work of God. We are able to follow the will of God. Why? Because the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, 
is working through us. So, have you ever been, you know, have you ever, let, let, me, well, let, me, pose, let me pose it this way. How many of you teach a Sunday school class in here? Raise your hand if you teach something. Small group, children, you, you teach, okay? You teach the word of God to someone, okay? Do you ever feel overwhelmed by that sometimes? Because you should. Whether it's to a child, a teenager, or an adult, you have been given a responsibility to take the word of life, the word of God, and you are going to communicate it to someone. That should cause you to be like, I am so inadequate to do that. So guess what you need in order to teach the word of God? An anointing from the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, every Sunday, I'm in my office. I pray when I get over there. I pray before I come over here. During the offering, I am praying. And guess what I am praying? Holy Spirit, help me. I pray as Paul prayed, make me a competent minister of this gospel. I can't do this in my strength. Have you ever tried to witness and, and you just know God has just been just like just poking your heart? Maybe it's at your, your work or, or a neighbor or, you, or a, you just know you're supposed to say something about Jesus to them. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? You're like, I don't know what to say. Do you, guess what you need? That anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak through you. You see, it's the paraclete that needs to be upon us. Anybody understand? I mean, do you understand that it's the Holy Spirit that takes you, okay? When you come to know Jesus, are you instantly perfect? Like, man, you just don't do anything wrong ever again? Absolutely not. Um, I don't know about you, but a lot of people, when they come to Jesus, they are a complete mess still. And, 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 it's the Holy Spirit that takes this body of death, this mess of a person who just by faith has entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ somehow, some way, I don't understand it. And now the Holy Spirit starts to work in them. Have you ever tried to just like white knuckle obedience? That's hard, isn't it? out of guilt or whatever it is. You're like, oh, I'm just going to be a better Christian today. And man, you, 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 you go okay for about 10 minutes, but anybody other than me, you end up failing. I mean, the reality is we're all still sinners. We're all still going to sin. We're all still going to mess up. But the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to do what Jesus says. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that comforts our broken hearts when we're going through the sorrow and the pains it's the holy spirit that 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 comforts and gives us that peace it's the holy spirit that convicts us of sin you ever say something do something you shouldn't act this way you should behave this way and you don't and you just you just get that that inner thought of like i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have said that i need to make it right how many of you know that's not you just coming up with that 
That's the Holy Spirit in you speaking that. You shouldn't have said that, Hope. You shouldn't have acted that way. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm calling out Hope today. But it's the Holy Spirit that's convicting us. We just don't drum that up out of nowhere. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in our heart. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds us of the promises of God, of who you are and what you have in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds you, and we're going to see this a little more, that you are a child of God. Anybody in, uh, other than me, I'm always up here saying other than me. Do you ever have those doubts of like, I don't know if I'm saved? Do you ever have those doubts that feel like maybe I'm not a child of God because, man, I just keep messing up or whatever it is? And you have those doubts of like, maybe this isn't real. And the Holy Spirit keeps trying to convince you, yes, it is. Reminds you that you are a child of God. Reminds you of your salvation. He keeps reminding you of the assurance of who you are and what you have in Christ. You see, that's the Holy Spirit doing these things. The reality is, There are things that Jesus calls us to do and to be and act and live. And it's impossible in our own strength. It's impossible to measure up to the things that God requires us and asks us to be in our own strength. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the counsel, without the advocacy, without the the, the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life, man, I'm coming up flat and short and falling all the time. But it's the Holy Spirit coming alongside and we're working together and it's the Holy Spirit that moves and acts to help us to to be and to do and to live more like Christ and so he becomes that reservoir for you he becomes everything we need everything that we need him to be in order to live and be like Christ more and more each day. And so the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, what Jesus is saying here is our reservoir. Here's the second thing about the Holy Spirit that he says. The Holy Spirit is a permanent presence. It is a permanent presence. So again, look at verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it, but then I'm going to work through it backwards. So Jesus says, he goes, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, I want to work backwards from verse 18 through verse 16 to the end of verse 16 because that's going to how it's setting up this point to show us that the Holy Spirit is a permanent presence in our life. So notice there in verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, I'm not going to. He, he, he's, he's, he keeps telling them, I'm leaving, guys. I'm leaving, guys. I'm leaving. I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to send back to heaven. I'm going to be gone. But he's telling them, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to be gone, but I'm sending you someone because I'm not. But you notice he says, I will be with you. Now, here's the thing. Actually, he says, um, I, let me read it. Verse 18, I will come to you. Now, that's probably one of three things. One, 
obviously after his resurrection, he comes back and he reveals himself. He says, I'm not dead, I'm, I'm still alive. The second is the second coming. He's going to come again. But in the context of what he's talking about, those two things are probably not it. It's probably this third one. He will come to us. He will come to them through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it gets deep. And this is where you and I don't understand it. So, so try to understand, but understand you're not going to understand it. This is where the Trinity, the Godhead, comes into play. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All are God, but all are distinctly separate and different. Okay? Now, here's the thing. He says, I will come to you. Well, he just told them, when I leave, I am going to send you the helper. Well, how is the Holy Spirit coming? Jesus coming to them. Because... Even though it's the Holy Spirit, it's still the Spirit of Christ in the Spirit coming to them. And we're going to see a whole lot more of this here. The Trinity, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All God, distinctly three different persons, but yet simultaneously working together. I don't understand it. I don't know how to explain it. All I know is is that Jesus says, I'm still going to come to you. And so literally, it's the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit coming to them. And so that's why Jesus is able to tell these guys, if you remember back in Matthew chapter 28, he says, oh, by the way, um, I will be with you forever. Well, how does that happen? You're in heaven. If you're in heaven, how are you with this? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because God the Son, God the, or God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all God, all distinctly one, but yet three distinct persons. So Jesus, <laughs> I'm going to get myself in some weeds here, but Jesus still being God, Holy Spirit still being God, Holy Spirit comes, is with them, the Spirit of Christ is with them. Does that make sense? Jesus is still with them. That's why in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, the Lord says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. How does Jesus do that? Because he is still, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ is still with them. So it is with you and me. Just as he came and was with the disciples, he came and is now still with us. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 17. He says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But notice, let's first start it off with this. He Notice he defines the Holy Spirit as what? The spirit of truth. All right, again, you can't just put one label on the Holy Spirit. Jesus, right out of the gate, oh, he's your helper, he's your paraclete. Oh, guess what he is also? The spirit of truth. And when he means, when he's saying that he is the spirit of truth, he is equating the Holy Spirit to the, as a spirit of truth, relating the Holy Spirit to what do you think? The word of God. 
the Holy Spirit is the word of God. But John says in John chapter 1, Jesus is the word of God. Do you see how the Trinity is so vast, so deep that we can't get it? But Jesus, who is the word, is now defining, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit, your helper, is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth links to the word of God because the word of God is truth. So Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is the word of truth. He is truth. Now, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit, and you need to understand this. The Holy Spirit cannot speak lies. He can only speak truth. So when you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, it better line up with the word of God. If you hear, that's why, that's why when Paul taught, when he, he taught the Bereans, it says that they went back and studied to make sure what Paul was saying was right. Because the spirit of truth will always line up with the word of God. So if you feel a prompting or you hear something taught and it doesn't resonate with you in here, you better make sure if it's not resonating with the word of God, throw it out. Because the Holy Spirit will not teach you and show you and lead you and teach you contrary to the word of God. It will always line up with God's word. And so he says he's the spirit of truth. But notice what Jesus says in, 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 the, in what the, how the world reacts to this. He says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, when he talks about the world, he's talking about those who are unbelievers. Those who don't know Christ as Savior. Those who are unspiritual, unsaved. He's saying... They, they, they can't receive what the Holy Spirit says. And he said, and here's why. He says, because they cannot see him and they don't know him. And the way they don't know him is because they, an unbeliever doesn't know Christ. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all together. Jesus said this many times in the book of John. He says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you don't know the Father, you don't know me. And now he is saying that the Holy Spirit is truth, but the world can't receive it because they don't know the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that all mean? Well, Paul says it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says like this. He says the natural person, meaning an unsaved person, an unbeliever, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are, uh, they are spiritually discerned. So what Paul is saying, he's like, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to the truth of God's Word, when the Holy Spirit is, is, is speaking through the word of God to people, unbelievers don't believe it. They don't receive it. They reject it. They, they think it's foolish. Let's put it into practice, okay? Have you ever tried to have a spiritual debate with an unbeliever? And you try to, you try to explain to an unbeliever how to get to heaven. 
And you will say, well, you know, the Bible tells us that um, you've got to be saved by faith and that nobody goes to heaven um, without knowing Christ. Does an unbeliever agree with you? I'm like, yep, absolutely. Or do they look at you going, oh, shut up. Everybody goes to heaven. I mean, only really bad people go to hell, but pretty much everybody else goes to heaven. Ever hear that? That's what the world believes. If you try to tell an unbeliever that um, you've got to be saved by faith, you only go to heaven by faith and not by works, do, does the world agree with you or disagree with you? They disagree. Because what does the world say? How do we get to heaven? By your works. If you're good, you give to charity, you're religious, you do things, you're getting to heaven. Which is completely opposite of what the Bible says. The world says it doesn't matter who you marry. The Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman. But what does the world say? Marriage can be between anybody and everybody. You see, there's so many things that the Bible says, but the world rejects it. They can't hear it. They don't understand it. It is spiritually discerned. They can't discern it. And so the world looks at the Bible. They hear the spirit of truth speaking, but they don't want to hear it. And they reject it. You see, that's why when it comes to an unbeliever, the reality is you can sit there and say, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. And we need to do that. But in reality, an unbeliever is going to look at you and go, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't believe the Bible. So where do you start then with a believer or with an unbeliever? If, if the Bible itself isn't going to do it because they reject it, then where do you start? Well, you start where Jesus says in, that, in John chapter 16. We're going to get to this down the road. But look at what Jesus says in John chapter 16. Let me see. Where are we at? I lost. I lost myself. John chapter 16, verse 7. Okay? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, send him to you. And when he comes, and here it is, he will convict the world, unbelievers, concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, here's the sin, because they do not believe in me. You see, the Holy Spirit does not convict an unbeliever about their gambling problem. The, 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 the Holy Spirit is not going to convict the person about being gay or, or whatever. He's not going to convince them about being just a drunk. The Holy Spirit will convict an unbeliever about one thing. You do not believe in Christ. Their heart has to be enlightened to believing in Jesus Christ. They have to come to that place where they put their faith in Christ. Because when they put, a person puts their faith in Christ, the dead man comes alive. And now the eyes of the heart, guess what happens? It blossoms like a flower and is enlightened. And now when a believer, maybe not at the start of it, but as that believer grows, guess what they start to believe in? The word of truth. 
Now all of a sudden, when an unbeliever is saved, a sinner becomes a saint, their heart is enlightened, and then when they start to hear the word preached, they hear the word taught, they read the word, now all of a sudden the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, speaks to their heart. Guess what happens? <gasps> I get that. I never, I never understood that before. Never saw that before. In fact, you still have that. You could, you could, right now, you could be a believer for 40 years. Do you ever have those moments where you hear something, see something, read something, and it's just like, boom, never saw that before. How in the world did it? I've read that verse 452 times. In fact, I got it written down. Read this 452 times. How in the world have I never seen that before? Because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, still speaks to your heart and illuminates deep truth to it. So there are times, you see, and this is why you need to understand that you and I as a believer, you, you move to different levels of depth. The Bible calls it moving from glory to glory. The idea is, is there are truths that the, as a new believer, um, the Holy Spirit won't even begin to talk to you about. There are truths that even after 20 years, the Holy Spirit won't talk to you about. But there are truths where you are mature enough where the Holy Spirit will go boom. And you'll be like, wow, how did I have never known that? Because the reality is there are times in our life where we're just not ready for it. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit will not, he's not going to waste the truth on you. Because you won't get it. But when you are ready for it. He will level you and you'll step back and go, wow, how did I never see that before? In fact, I think I did this with Paula the other day and from, from Hebrews, I said something and, and I read it. I'm like, holy cow. And I said it to her and she's like, what? This is her maturity just kind of showing out, you know, I'm just more mature. <laughs> but she was like, I, I read it again. And she's like, what? I read it again. I explained it. And she's like, let me, let me chew on that. It was, and I had read what I read for a long time. And it just felt like the Holy Spirit just went, showed me, wow, I think that's what that is. So there are times where an unbeliever will hear a truth, don't get it. But when they become a believer, then they get it. Now look what he says. So he says that about the world, about unbelievers. But look what he says to now them as believers. Right there at the end of verse 17, he says, you know him. He's like, you know who the spirit is. You know the spirit of truth. And here it is. For he dwells with you and will be in you. That's the difference. He's like, guys, you, you, you've ha you are saved. You've had saving faith. You believe in me. You, you believe that I am the Messiah. You believe that I am the Son of God. You believe that I have come from heaven to be the Savior of the world. You believe that. And because you believe in me, you know the Spirit. Now, you notice Jesus says two things. He says, he will be with you and he will be in you. He's talking about two distinct presences of the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand. Here, here's what I mean. Here's, understand... That when he says he will be with you, understand that the Holy, when Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, it's not like the Holy Spirit has never been on earth. 
Think about that. Because what does it say in the beginning of Genesis? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit hovered over the waters. You see, the Spirit of God was already down here. How many of you ever heard of this? The omnipresence of God. God is not in a vacuum. The Spirit of God inhabits everything. You get that, right? In the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon the Old Testament saints to accomplish what they needed to do. They would come upon a prophet of God. They'd be able to hear the word of God and speak the word of God, but the Holy Spirit would leave them. They would come upon, you know, it, 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 when the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson to be able to take a jawbone and kill a whole bunch, but then the Holy Spirit would leave them. He never was in them. So it is with these disciples. The Holy Spirit was always with them. The omnipresence of the Spirit of God always with them. But something was going to change. Because he says, he was, he know him, he is with you, and he will be in you. What happened, on the, what happened in chapter 2 of the book of Acts? A whole different move of the Holy Spirit. That was the giving of the Holy Spirit. In that upper room with those 120 people, they were praying, they were seeking, they knew that something was going to happen, and the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit's omnipresence already there, but the manifest presence, totally different. And it was in that moment that these believers are now filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not, it's not moving around them. He is now moving in them. He's not living just beside them. He is now taking up residence in them. So guess what happens to every single person who comes to saving faith in Christ? The Holy Spirit moves from just being around you to being in you. Completely different. Now again, I, I thought about this. I'm like... Well, if the Spirit of God is always around, isn't he already in me? Could be. But it's different. It's a different presence. It's, it's the Spirit of God now dwelling in me. In fact, look at verse 23 in our text. Jesus says, he says, if anyone loves me, okay, no, their unbelievers don't love Christ. Anybody who has come to saving faith in Christ loves Jesus. So again, he's talking about people who are believers. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Now, God loves the world, but there's a special love for his children. And here it is. And we will come to him, meaning the person who loves me, we, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and make our home with him. We will come to him. Do you see why this is so deep? Jesus basically, when the Holy Spirit comes, not it's this, it's it's the Holy Spirit, it's the presence of the Spirit of the Living God, and it's the presence of Christ all together dwelling, living in you. That was a great place for an amen. 
you as a believer in Christ have the indwelling Holy Spirit, the, the indwelling Spirit of the living, sovereign God, the, the indwelling of the presence of the Spirit of Christ. Again, I don't understand it, but somehow all three encompassed in you, according to his word. We will come to you and make our home in you. Wow. God, the creator of everything, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, wrapped up together, coming down, making their home now in you. That's why you become the temple of God, your body. And the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in you. His omnipresence never leaves. But not everybody has him dwelling in them. Only a believer in Jesus Christ. And again, that's why Jesus is able to say, I'm not going to leave you. Because here's, here's the important thing. The Holy Spirit dwells in you as a believer in Christ. Now, here's my point. Here's the whole, I'm saying all of this to get to this little section. Look at verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you how long? How long? How long? Forever. He didn't say, I will send the helper and he will be with you as long as you got your act together. I will be with you for just a short season of time. I will be with you for 35 days. I will be with you for a few years. No, he says he will come and dwell with you. How long? Forever. Permanent placement. Permanent presence. Permanent residence. The Holy Spirit when you come to the place of saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. When we say those words, Jesus, come into my life, that is not some weird out there floating around kind of statement. That is asking, Holy Spirit, come into me. Dwell within this heart. Dwell within this body of death. Make me new. Make me, give me life. And when we pray that and ask Jesus to come in, be our Savior, the Holy Spirit gives us new life. And that new life is permanent, forever. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you permanently. Now, here's the thing we need to understand, though. Paul makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit will not leave you. He's not going anywhere, okay? The Bible makes it very clear that when, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, that when you come to know Christ the Savior, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and He is a guarantee. He is a deposit for the eternal inheritance that you have coming. Okay? Get that. 
just bank that. But here's what you and I need to understand. The Apostle Paul also makes it clear that you and I can still grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit. Okay? That means we can do things, we can act certain ways, we stop living according to the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit isn't going to leave and abandon us. That's why Jesus says, there's no orphans. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You're never abandoned. You're never left. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are never an orphan. You never have to go through life wondering, has Jesus left me? Is the Holy Spirit gone? No. Once you know Christ as Savior, when the Holy Spirit is permanently, you are no longer an orphan. You are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. In Romans chapter 8, it says that he testifies to us, you're a child of God. That never leaves but the movement of God in my life can become squelched. I can grieve the Holy Spirit. Kind of think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. So when you and I, when we sin, when we choose to talk wrong and act wrong and behave wrong, the Holy Spirit's not sitting there going, yay, that's my child right there. The Holy Spirit's going, that's my child. And we grieve the heart of God. We grieve the spirit in us. I'm going to speak a little bit more on that at the end here. But the point you need to understand is. The Holy Spirit. Will never abandon you. Will never leave you. Will never stop dwelling in you. He is permanent. And he will dwell, as Jesus says, in you forever. Here's the third thing. Let's close with this. The third thing that Jesus wants to know about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is an active agent. He's an active agent. So when a sinner comes to the place they trust Christ as Savior, that person is born again. The Holy Spirit immediately takes up residence and dwells within that person. That Holy Spirit continues to bear witness that you are a child of God. The Spirit is a permanent resident within you. He's never going to leave, never going never to depart, okay? But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit just doesn't come into your life and park. Like, oh, they're saved. I'm, I'm, I'm camping out. They're okay. He doesn't do that. Now the Holy Spirit becomes an active agent in your life. Because, um, how, because when you read the Bible, God loves you right where you're at. He, in your mess, in your sin, he wants you to come to him. He doesn't ask you to clean yourself up. He doesn't ask you to stop sinning before you come to the Savior. He says, come to the Savior, then we'll work on the sinning. So you come to the Savior, the Spirit of God is now living in you. Now the Spirit of God says, hey, let's work on this stuff. Let's start getting you to look more like your Savior, Jesus. Let's start moving you from holy to holy to holy, from glory to glory. Let's start taking you deeper. Let's start having you in a better relationship with God the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit now starts working in your life. Hopefully, all of you, if you're a believer in Christ, you can look at your life and go, I'm not the same person I was a year ago, five years. I'm definitely not the same person I was when I first came to Christ. Are you perfect? No. 
but are you progressively becoming more like Christ? That should be your prayer. And that's what we see here in our text. So look at verse, starting with verse 19. He says, he says, yet a little while, the world will see me no more. Meaning I'm gone. They're not going to see me, but you will see me. He's going to come back, reveal himself to them. We sang this this morning because Jesus says, because I live, you also live. Isn't that a great truth? You're alive in Christ. If you know Christ is your savior, you are alive spiritually and will live forever with him. He goes on and he says, and in that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. He's just like, man, we're all intermingled here. God's working in you, I'm working in you, you're in me, I'm in you. Man, this thing is an ebb and flow. Now here it is. Whoever, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and here's the key and manifest myself in him key word is manifest that word manifest is I'm going to make myself evident in your life you're going to be different but the key is we need to, let's go back to that word paraclete that I was talking about in the Greek I said in the Greek the word paraclete means to come alongside the idea is, is that the Holy Spirit comes in us, but here's the thing. He doesn't work independently from you. Okay? Get that. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he wants to work in your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to transform your life. He wants you to be more like Christ. He wants you to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. He wants you to have a better relationship with God. He wants you to have all this, but here's the thing. He does not do it without you. You and I have responsibility in this. That's why Jesus says right there, he says, anyone who loves me, he will do what? Keep my word. You see, as you and I, here's how you and I work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit. When you and I choose not to live according to the word of God, when we choose, I don't want to pray, I don't want to study the word of God, I don't want to go to worship, I don't want to do, I'm just going to have a profession. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, that's good enough. The Holy Spirit is, he's quenched. And he will be quiet. And he will do minimal work. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to poke. He's going to poke. He's just going to keep poking at you and convicting you. Hey, get to worship. Hey, spend time with the Father today in prayer. Spend time with the Father today in his word. Hey, act, act differently today at work. Talk differently today at work. You see, the Holy Spirit, he will, pro, he will poke, he will convict, but he will allow you to walk the way you want to walk. He's not, you're, he doesn't become like a marionette, all right? You've received Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit's in you. He's not sitting up here going, okay, you guys now, you walk this way. Nope, I want you to go this way. And he's just going to be a marionette and you're just the dummy. Nope. He's in you. And he wants to work. But Jesus says, if anybody loves me. They'll keep my word. 
So if we don't want to keep the word of God, the Holy Spirit will let you do that. But here's the thing. You will feel dry. You will feel empty. You will feel spiritually depleted. You will just feel, I mean, think, don't raise your hand, but have you ever felt like, I just feel like spiritually blah. Why? Why, why am I not, why, why am I always worrying about things? Why do I feel so defeated spiritually? Why do I feel like I'm just not overcoming things? Why do I, you need to step back and ask yourself, hey, am, am I doing my part to engage with God every day? This is not legalism. This is not saying you do A, B, C, and D, and you're going to get E, F, and G. I'm saying when we actively pursue more of Christ, when we actively, I'm going to, do, I'm going to worship, I'm going to walk, I'm going to work, I'm going to witness, I'm going to do what I can. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit manifests himself in you. And he will change you, transform you, make you into something you've never believed before. He will work differently. Why do you think we sang that song today? Holy Spirit, come. My prayer is that God come, Holy Spirit, come in me as an individual. Come in me in these people as individuals. But God, come into this place corporately. Holy Spirit, come. You see, that's agreeing. That's, that's working together with the Holy Spirit saying, I can't do this. We can't do this. This church can't do this. Holy Spirit, come. We're going to close with that song too. So Holy Worship Team, why don't you come on up? But loved ones, understand the Holy Spirit desires through us to accomplish the will and the work of God. But the way that happens is by all of us working with him and saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, he's, if, if you're a believer, he's in you. He, he's there. But the question you've got to ask yourself, is he manifesting himself in you? Is he truly working in a way that you can evidently, you can see it? Are your desires changing? Like, are you waking up on Sunday going, I'm ready to go worship? Are you spending time like, you know, like, I, I want to study the word of God. I, I, want, I want to spend time with God in prayer. I, 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 want, I want to make sure I'm, 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 I'm witnessing to someone. I, the things of God are working in your life. You see, that's the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in you. Again, not perfectly. But are you progressing? That's the question you've got to ask. Am I progressively moving more like Christ? If you aren't, you need to step back and find out and ask, Holy Spirit, what am I doing? Am I grieving you? Am I quenching you? And be silent and let the Holy Spirit show you some things. The loved ones, the Holy Spirit, that's who he is. And he wants to work in us you as an individual, your family, this church. And I hope our prayer is, Holy Spirit, come. Let's all stand. Let me close this in a word of prayer and we'll close with this song. So Father, we do thank you. We do praise you today. And Holy Spirit, we do. We pray and we ask, come. Come upon us because we need you. We can't do this with you. We can't do this without you. We need you in us, working in us and through us 
to do the work and the will of God. And we just thank you and we just praise you today, Holy Spirit. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.